Throw that picture up on the screen for me back here. This young, this young couple is uh, Dave and Claire Milne. They are from uh, Sydney, Australia. And uh, Dave was over in uh, San Diego. He's uh, uh, retired from the Australian Defense Force and was just working in San Diego. Uh, in, in December, just a couple months ago, uh, they decided, uh, Claire and, and Dave decided to take their two daughters, who were three and one, uh, Isha and um, Anna, to Mammoth Mountain to do some snow skiing. And I got there, and as they were heading over uh, to, to ski, um, all of a sudden, Dave looked up, and he saw one of these. Throw that up on the screen for me. He saw this snowplow that was unmanned and out of control uh, coming right at his daughter's. And so Dave um, ran and he, he jumped. Claire was able to get out of the way. Dave jumped on top of his two daughters, trying to get them underneath him. And he was successful in completely covering up uh, Anna, and she was unharmed. But unfortunately, Isa um, was caught in the snowblower and, and hurt. And uh, they were able to get her, uh, get the, the, the rescue people there, and they got her out and got her to a hospital. Uh, she did suffer uh, some injuries to her legs and pelvis, uh, but she's trying to throw that next picture up. She can see her there um, recovering uh, in a wheelchair with her mom. Uh, but Dave was stuck in the snowblower, and he was in there for over an hour before they were able to finally free him and, and get him out. And as a result, uh, this strong uh, veteran ended up losing both of his legs. You can throw that picture up on the screen from David from his, from his bed as he was recovering. And he's now uh, recovering well. They're, they're back in Sydney, and they're back recovering well. But, you know, when, when I read this story, um, it just really hit me. Now, just think this thought with me for a second. Why in the world would an intelligent man jump in front of a snowblower? One word. What is it? Love. Everybody say that word. Love. A father who saw what was surely going to be the impending death of his daughters, who thought nothing of putting himself in harm's way that their life could be spared. Now, if you, can, if you can understand that concept, then you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about today as we start this series called Crosswords. And we're looking at the crucifixion of Christ and this experience of Christ dying on the cross. And, and we're going to be looking at several words over the next several weeks of, of, of what does the cross mean to us? What was God trying to say to us? What was God trying to do for us? And what was God trying to do through us in all of this? And, and as I, I thought about this, as I was laying this series out, I thought, you know what, we really have to begin at the beginning because if there's one word that we could use to say this was the motivation for Christ coming from heaven to earth and dying on a cross, it's one word. What's that word? Love. Believe it or not, the God of all the universe loves you more than you could possibly imagine. Amen. 
Now, I want to I want to talk about I want to talk about that today. Um, if you have your sermon outline, you want to you want to take it out, and track along with me. We'll throw everything up on the screen for those of you who uh, like to take take notes and, and doodle or all that kind of stuff. Pull it out. But I want I want to look at at this word. You know, I, I put this statement on your outline. I just when I was thinking about this idea of love, I think isn't it interesting? The cross was created as an instrument of hate. But God turned it into an icon of love. You know, this, this, this emblem that in the first century was, was, was only for the worst of the worst. And it was this, it was this emblem of, of hate and, and failure and all this kind of stuff. And yet God took this emblem and he turned it into this icon that wherever we see the cross, now the first word that comes to our mind ought to be love. Look at the passage of Scripture, one of the most famous passages of Scripture in, 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 in the Bible, from John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Read it out loud with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, who, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Paul writes about this in, in, in Romans when he talks about the fact that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And he said, not only did Adam die, but we all died. And he, talk, he talks about the fact that, you know, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is what? Death. So if, if you can imagine this, in, in our sin, God sees his children who have fallen away. He sees us in the path of this snowblower of sin that's going to take our lives and condemn us for all eternity. And God sent his one and only son to dive upon us to spare us that experience because of love. Yeah, we live in a world that, that talks a lot about love, sings a lot about love. But man, when you look around, you, it, it's, it's clear they really don't understand love. I was reading a, a news story just a few years ago. and was talking about this, this woman who, uh, her and her husband, they were two weeks shy of their 40th anniversary. And they got into this big argument. How many of you have been married 40 years and you still argue? Anybody? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Some, both hands and a leg up back there. Okay. We can talk later. <laughs> um, but it, it, it was so interesting. They, they, they talk about they were having this argument and in the heat of this argument, this woman picks up a telephone book, a big telephone book, and she throws it at her husband out of anger, I think trying to startle him. But when she threw it, he stood up and turned toward her, and what he did, that phone book smashed him in the head, knocked him unconscious. So he's laying there on the floor of their kitchen. They call the paramedics. She calls the paramedics. They come. The police come. And even though he didn't want to press charges, they said, no, 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 no. You, you, we got to take you down and book you. This is, this is vicious assault. So they take her to jail. Now, what's really funny with the backstory, the really ironic part of all of this is this woman was a romance novelist. Well, she could write great stories of love, <laughs> but I don't know if she really had a clue what love really is. Well, today, I want to talk about this great love of God. 
And I want you to just open your heart and let the Holy Spirit just speak to you because God's love is not like the love of this world. Amen. Let's talk about that. Let me give you, let me give you some, some, some thoughts today that I, I just hope you'll just be able to take in. Here's the first one. God's love is an unconditional love. God's love is an unconditional love. Now, what's that mean? That means that God loved us when we really weren't all that lovable. God didn't love us because we were so good. He didn't love us because uh, we, were, we were, you know, all of that nice. He didn't love us because we had earned all these brownie points. God didn't love us because we were that good. In fact, when he loved us, when God chose to love us, we were a mess. Yeah, I, love, I love how the psalmist put this, and it really hit me hard when I read it. In Psalm 109, 26, he says, help me, Lord, my God. Read it with me. Save me according to your unfailing love. And I started thinking about, you know, isn't that, isn't that the fact when we cry out to God? I don't know about you, but I'm not going, when I'm in trouble, I don't go, hey, God, remember all I've done for you, <laughs> you know, or remember this good life I've lived. You know, I'm not pleading my case for God. I'm saying, God, according to your unfailing love for me, save me. I'm not, I'm not counting on the fact that I've earned anything from him. That's why I love the verse from Romans 5, 8. Read it with me. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, you, you got to get this. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how long you've lived your life a mess or how far you have run from God. You need to know that God loves you. He loves you. He'll never be able to love you anymore then he loves you right now in the middle of your sin. Do you remember what Jesus went through when we talk about that week of the cross? Do you, do you remember? Throw that picture up on the screen. Do you remember how he was flogged? Do you remember how they stripped him down and they, they beat him with a whip, put stripes on his back? Do you, do you remember that? Throw that next picture up. Do you remember how they jammed a crown of thorns on his, on his head and how the blood just flowed down. Oh, that one. Throw that next picture up. Do, do you remember how they gambled for his clothes? How they treated him like some common criminal and just gambled away his garments? Throw that next one up. Do you remember how they mocked him? Do you remember how they spit on him? Do you remember how they took the Son of God and treated him with such great contempt? Throw that last picture up. Do you remember how they crucified him? How they drove spikes through his wrists and through his feet? Now, here, here's what I want you to understand. He loved those people. All those people who beat him, spit on him, mocked him, and crucified him. All of those people God loved them. And if God can love them, trust me, he loves you. Amen. Better believe it. God's love is a transformational love. When I was thinking about 
this great love of Christ and dying on the cross and what, what it does for us. The, the thing that really hit me is, is how God didn't want us to just experience that love so that we could have a past that was forgiven. He wants that love to, to change the very way that we live. You know, that's why when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he said, you know what, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The, the old is gone and, and behold, all things become new. How many of you can testify to the transformational power of God's love? In other words, how many of you who are sitting here today, how many of you could say, you know what, because of God's love, I am not the person that I used to be. You see, God's love has this power to, to change us. That's why Paul says, I love in Galatians 2.20, read this with me, church. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I read this young lady's testimony online. Uh, somebody posted it on Facebook. I just thought it was it was so incredible. Talk about the transforming power of God. Young lady was, was writing. She says, today marks my four-year four birthday in the Lord. And uh, she posted a picture. She goes, I feel utterly sick to my stomach when I, when I look back at, at my before picture. Yeah, throw that picture up on the screen. She said, I, I, I used to only post this, when I posted it back in the day, I posted it in black and white. She says, but, but now when I, when I see it, she goes, it's, it's just really disturbing to me. She said, this was November you know, 2018. And she said, I was headed to an occult-themed costume party on All Saints Day. The party was held in an old church decked out with an upside-down cross and a, and a Ouija board and costume exotic dancers. She said, we read tarot cards, we consulted our pendulums, and we were under the influence of many drugs and alcohol, all the way dancing the whole night away, proclaiming our liberty and freedom in the spirit realm. But three months later, she said, I met Jesus in my living room, and I was transformed, born again, a new creation in Christ. I was instantly delivered by him from a bisexual lifestyle and from drug addiction. She says, in, in the past four years of my learning to walk with the Lord, I've stumbled and I've fallen and I've made many mistakes as a new Christian. But as the scriptures say, a righteous man falls seven times and he gets back up. I'm not perfect, nor will I ever be, as only Jesus walked the perfect, sinless life. But, but I praise God every day for my deliverance and for true freedom in Christ. I'm no longer stuck on the new age hamster wheel. I'm no, I'm no longer consulting, consulting astrology and witchcraft and, and, and all of that other stuff. I, I, don't, I don't need any of that. I'm not trying to continually strive for, for this thing or the, that thing. She goes, I'm no longer bound by the limitations of my own thinking, but rather completely free as I learn to, to lean not on my own understanding, but I, instead, I put my trust in the Lord as I know his ways are higher than mine. Throw that next picture up on the screen. This is what she looks like now. She says, she said, I promise you, there is true freedom to be found, true healing, true deliverance, and it's all found in, the, in calling on one name alone, the name of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. 
Now you gotta get this, because some of you I know you're unhappy with your life, you're unhappy with where it's been, you're happy with, with the route that you've been on. If you want to change who you've been and where you've been heading, I'm telling you, it's through the love of God. Because that love is a transforming love. And if it can change Amanda, it can change you. Can I tag on to that? And this will be really good news for you. God's love is also an unending love. God's love is also an unending love. Now, this is real important. How many of you in your journey through life have had people look you in the eye and tell you how much they love you only to find out down the road that they stopped loving you for whatever reason. Anybody ever go through that? Yeah. You know, we, again, we have this, this world that has such a conditional love and I'll love you if, or I'll love you for, for a while, or I'll love you for, for a season. Yeah, hell about you, but I'm so thankful that God's love never, ever ends. It never is. I, well, I, I read this. This was so crazy. This is so sad. But it, it is. A, you want to hear what the world's love looks like? This woman, her name was Shone. Um, she sent a, a confessional letter uh, to, to the Daily Mail um, just talking about this habit that she had. And she, I don't know why she made this public because it's, it's, it's really horrible. But here's what she said. She said, I get rid of dogs as soon as they stop being cute puppies. Now, how long would you have your kids if you got rid of your kids as soon as they stopped being cute? Well, what, what age would that be? Two, <laughs> three, four, certainly by the time they're 12. <laughs> but here's what she says. This was, this was wild. I, I couldn't believe it. She said, I've given away four dogs in four years. She goes, I'm a serial dogamist. She said, in the early stages of the relationship, I'm head over heels. I attend all the puppy classes, and I don't even begrudge picking up dog poo. There's nothing I wouldn't do for my new canine companion. But the moment things get complicated and they develop a problem, I don't covet a dog-free existence like every other sane person might. Instead, I start wondering if there is another more suitable dog out there. One that's less bouncy, less barky, less inclined to shed everywhere. And so the search begins, and I cannot rest until I find a replacement puppy to lie adoringly at my feet. This love is, is, is such a love of the world in the way that, that, that people love. And, and yet, God's love is unending. How many of you are thankful God doesn't drop you the moment you stumble or fall? He, he loves us with this unending love. I, I love Lamentations 3 on your outline. Read it with me. He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Can I get an amen? No power, look what Paul says in, in, in Romans 8. He said, no power in the sky or, or, or above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, here's why this is so important. Did, do you hear, remember Amanda's testimony a moment ago? She said, I, I, I still struggle. I still stumble and fall. But like the scriptures say, though a righteous person falls seven times, yet will they rise. 
And this, this is why this is so important. Some of us who have experienced the love of God, sometimes along the journey, we stumble, we fall. And, and, and in, our, in our staggering moments, we, we feel this shame that washes over us. And you know what else? We hear the enemy whisper in our ear. What kind of Christian can you be to, to do something like that, say something like that? And, and we begin to doubt whether God really loves me. We begin to doubt that whether God can forgive me. And we begin to put all of the success of our journey of faith upon our ability to live up to everything. And we begin to doubt that God is going to stick with you. You need to know God loves you with an unending love, an unending love. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? Peter came to Jesus and he said, how many times should I forgive my brother? Remember that? And he goes, seven times? That's a pretty good number. What did Jesus say? No. How many times? Yeah, 70 times seven. 499. He said, that, and Peter's looking at him going, that's a lot. Now just think, if Jesus is asking us to forgive that many times, don't you think he would do that the same? Amen. You better believe it. Let me give you another one. I love this. God's love desires a reciprocal love from us. <laughs> God's love desires a reciprocal love from us. Pow, Pastor Steve, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. He was willing to die on the cross. What in the world does God want from me in return? Real simple. He wants you to love him. He wants you to love him. Um, I, love, I love my grandkids. I've got three beautiful grandkids. Um, our little granddaughter, not little anymore, she's 14, and uh, she's got to be a big girl. But I remember some years back when she was small, um, she was always, I was always been her favorite in the family, which she has good taste, you can tell. She's a good judge of character, you know that. Um, but she, she always loved her papa. And, um, but it was funny, she, she, Jolie's not able to communicate well because of her autism. But when she says something, you're always kind of taken back. But I'll, I'll just never forget the day we were sitting in our living room. Ben and Charlie were over and the kids were playing. And little Jolie came running in. And for whatever reason, she just looked at me and she came running up. And she jumped on my lap on the couch. And she doesn't, you know, she doesn't realize how strong she is. And she throws her arms around my neck. And she's literally choking the life out of me. And as she's squeezing me, she goes, I love you, Grandpa. And when she finally let go and my face got back to a natural color again, she stood up and I reached back and I, I pulled my wallet out and I took the credit card out of my wallet and I, I laid it on the little coffee table and I looked at my daughter-in-law and said, whatever she wants. <laughs> Whatever, how many of you grandparents understand this? Whatever, whatever she wants. I want you to get to, I want you to get to, you see, if you've got kids or grandkids, you'll understand this completely. What is it that we want from our kids? What do we want from our grandchildren? What do we really want for all of this life and suffering that we pour into them? What do we want? We just want them to love us. Does that make sense to you? And if you get that, then you understand 
what God wants from us. Look at what Jesus said when the, when the guy came to Jesus and he said, man, out of all of these commandments you got in the word, what is, what's the greatest commandment that we've got? Look at what it says. Jesus replied, read it with me, church. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Pastor Steve, what does God want from me? Look at me. He wants you to love him. Because if you'll love God, if you'll truly love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, if you will love him that way, guess what? He'll have everything else. He'll have everything else. Can I give you one more? This one hurts. Ushers, lock the doors for a second, please. Because this is where preaching goes to meddling. God's love should make us a people of love. God's love should make us a people of love. When we talk about receiving the love of God, one of the things we sometimes forget is that God wants us to be a conduit of that love. Now, come on, it's just us. How many of you will be honest enough to admit you've, you've got some people in your life who aren't all that easy to love? Yeah. Yeah. How many of you brought them with you this morning? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You weren't that easy to love either. But God loved you just as you are. And he expects us to let that love of him flow through us. Look at the passage of scripture. Jesus said, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Read it with me, church. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Catch that. How do you know if you're a disciple of Christ? Not because of the big Bible that you carry, not because of the cross you wear around your neck, not because of how many times you go to church, not because of any. How will they know? Jesus said, it'll be real simple. They'll see the love of God flowing through you. That's why John writes this later in his epistle. He says, we love, you know why? Because he first loved us. Now, how hard is it to love? It's not hard. You just have to Turn your mind and your heart toward that and ask God, Lord, how would you want to love through me? Rob Roddy sent me a, a, a video this week that just, it was so cool. And he had no idea what I was preaching, but he sent me this, this video knowing that I would love it. And it's the story, it's this guy telling, testifying about a man, uh, a FedEx driver, who connected with his family and how this guy showed love in 25 seconds. Play that video. I used to have a FedEx guy who was on my route, changed my life. It was a FedEx man who uh, only spent about 25 seconds uh, with nearly every single house. What could you possibly do in 25 seconds to help anyone, right? I mean, that's just cruise control conversation. Uh, that's throwaway time. I used to think that. Bullcrap. I've learned it's more valuable than a whole lot of the 15 minute, 20 minute conversations that I have with people. His name was Robert, and he used to deliver packages to our house, and, you know, he'd come, and, and it would be the most genuine, most infectious smile, most infectious laugh you've ever seen in your entire life. How's the family? How are the boys? They still fishing? You know, when my son would catch a big bass, he'd come over there and look at it and crow over it like a, like a proud daddy. When my other son, my younger son, would be playing basketball, 
out there, he'd always grab the ball and take one big three-point shot. <laughs> Make it or not, he usually made it. And run back to his truck, get back to work. He was infectious. He was one of the biggest lights I ever known in this whole world. You know, we started looking forward to him pulling in. And my boys would go outside just to talk with Robert a guy that they would see for 25 seconds. They would literally go, my boys wouldn't go outside to meet uh, a famous actor <laughs> or a famous musician. They don't care, they're gonna be sitting on the couch. But they go outside for Robert. On paper, we couldn't have been more different. He was a black guy, tatted up from his head to his toes, dreadlocks, and here I am in my, my camo shirt, my cowboy boots, my ball cap. None of that stuff mattered. He made every second count, and that's what I remember about him. Robert was shot and killed around 10 p.m. or so in a rough neighborhood back in August of last year, just downtown sitting in his truck. He left behind a wife and seven kids and he was the exact same age as me. The reason I'm telling y'all this is maybe you got a job that you spend 25 seconds with people all day long. You think it don't matter. I cried the day Robert got killed. Last time I cried was when my granddaddy died back in 1999, which was about 24 years ago. He mattered that much to me. So, we're gonna take that 25 seconds or we're just gonna throw it away? Yeah, I know, I'm totally aware that, you know, not everybody in those 25 seconds wants to receive love, I get that, but most people are desperate for it. In Matthew 24, 12, Jesus was talking about the last days and he said, because of the increased wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. I'm not gonna let that happen to me. Y'all know the words to the famous Alabama song, I'm in a hurry and don't know why. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really gotta do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why. Ask about their family, ask about their kids. Robert delivered packages and spent 25 seconds with us at a time, and yet I'm still sitting here talking about him long after he's gone. I hope this video makes you think about the way you spend 25 seconds with people for the rest of your lives. God bless you. Be good. I'm going to ask my prayer partners, if you guys would go ahead and come on down. Rachel's going to lead us in a closing song. and I just want to invite you to a time of prayer. And if you would like someone to pray with you, we've got three prayer partners here at the front that would just count it a privilege to pray for you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life um, related to the message today or not. But today, as you, as you process the words I just shared, I, I, I just want to ask you a question. Have you, have you opened your heart to the love of God? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how long you've been there doesn't matter how far you've wandered away. God's grace is greater than all of our sin. And his love will never stop chasing you. And so today, if you've never invited Christ to be your Savior, I just, just encourage you, just do a very simple prayer to open your heart, to confess your need to him, and just let the love of God wash over you. Maybe there are some of us who have prayed that prayer and passed and and maybe somewhere along the way we've, we've stumbled and fallen and maybe we're struggling to get up. Maybe, maybe we're struggling to believe that we can keep going. God's love's an unending love. He's not gonna give up on you. Don't you dare give up on yourself. And maybe 
maybe some of us really tied into that last thought I had today and saying, you know, Steve, I've got some people in my life that are really hard to love. They've hurt me. They've said things to me. They've said things about me. They've, they've done things that I, I really struggle to forgive them for. And that's okay. I get that. And I'm not going to minimize how painful those things are. All I want you to do today is one thing. I just want you to open your heart and say, God, can you help me love some people that I'm not able to love on my own? I can't do this out of my human heart. Could you love them through me? There may be some of you going through some tough times. There may be some of you facing some things in your life, your health, or, or whatever, and you'd like someone to pray with you about that, and that's, that's, that's more than fine. Anything that you would like someone to pray with you about, that's why our prayer partners are here. But Rachel's going to lead us in this song, and, and while, while she leads us, I just want this to be your personal worship time, your personal reflection time. Let God speak to you about his transforming love in your life. If you'd like someone to pray, feel, please feel free. Slip out and come while we sing. Measureless. That's a great description of your love, Lord. Absolutely without measure. And today, Father, I pray that as we bow our hearts before you this morning, that, that you would pour that love out upon us. Lord, you know where we are. You know what we're going through. You know those of us who need you to wrap your arms of grace around us. You know those of us who need you to wrap your arms of encouragement around us. You know those of us who need you to wrap your arms of healing around us. Father, I pray that your unconditional, unending, transformational love would fall upon us, would change us from the inside out. And Father, I pray that it would so change us that you would help us to see with your eyes and love with your love. Lord, we've got some people in our lives that aren't that easy to love, and you understand that because we weren't all that easy to love either. But in your grace, you took us anyway. And Father, I pray that you would transform us like that. That everywhere we go, that that love would come through. As the guy was talking on the video, just thinking about that, 25 seconds, 25 seconds with a bank teller, 25 seconds with the checkout gal at Walmart, 25 seconds with our waitress at the restaurant today, 25 seconds where we just have a chance to let your love flow through us. We don't know what people are going through. We don't know their stories or where they're at. And we forget how sometimes just a small word of love can make a huge difference. Father, I pray that we become like Robert. People who a year and a half after they're gone, people are still talking about the way we loved. Father, thank you today. We know that you didn't deserve the cross, but you chose it. You died that we might live all because of love. And today we thank you. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said, amen.